Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Well, victory in India. For those of you who were uh, here last week, you know that we spent uh, most of our time praying for a situation. Uh, the ministry were involved in very heavily in India. And uh, if you're on our mailing list or checked out our Facebook page, you saw that uh, your prayers were so dramatically and swiftly answered that we just need to give God just glory and praise and blessing. I was so proud of you guys last week, the way you just set aside all of your needs and you said, no, we're going to go to war for them. And uh, you did. You got over any inhibitions you might have about getting up in a circle with people you don't know. And uh, it was an awesome time in both services. And uh, the Lord really answered our prayers. So keep praying. These fellows, uh, these opposers are not done, although they have retreated physically. Now they're trying to go to the courts and cause something to happen. And you might be wondering, well, how could something happen when, you know, Cornerstone Ministries owns the deed and everything and all the papers are there? It's India. And it's a corrupt system in so many, so many, many ways. Just systemically corrupt uh, political system. So we need to continue to pray that uh, the victory is theirs. And pray for our sister Queenie, who's leading the ministry now in Pastor Stephen's absence. And uh, that she just has the strength, you know, the wisdom to carry on. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice in uh, the way you answered our prayers last week and the way that you came in thundering power here among us as we circled up to pray for the things that uh, were on our hearts to pray for. We thank you, Lord, for the victory. We thank you that you came, that you, uh, you mobilized believers from throughout the city of Bangalore to come and to stand in the place with, uh, with Queenie and the, the people of the uh, campus there. And uh, thank you, Father, that they were turned back. And now, in the name of Jesus, we continue to stand here and defend them and lay claim to the victory that is yours, because the property is yours, the ministry is yours, and uh, that these fellows will have no way of uh, circumventing the legal process in India, and that you, Father, will gain the victory. We pray, we pray for these guys. Lord, they are not our enemies. Satan is our enemy, and we rebuke him in the name of Jesus and say, you have no place, and that even these guys will come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through all of this, Father God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to begin my message this morning by letting you know that I read about one fiction book a year. And it's by assignment. Uh, I read a lot of books, but I only read one fiction book a year. Uh, Karen assigns me one fiction book a year. Uh, when we go on vacation, she says, here, here's what you're reading. She goes to the library for me, gets me some John Grisham book or she knows that I have a very low tolerance for smut and stuff, and so she reads all the smut, and then she gives, uh, that's not true, that's not true. She, she reads whatever, I don't know what she's reading, but she's a voracious fiction reader, she's always reading something. And, uh, and uh, she says, oh, here's one I think that you'll, you'll tolerate. So uh, I get that book, and I read it. One time a year, there are several things I don't like about reading fiction. I love to read. I read a lot, but I uh, several things. First of all, it's not real. I don't know if you know this or not. It turns out that that's what fiction means. After it took me a long time to figure that out, but it's not real, and there's a lot of good reading about real stuff to do. And so, I, uh, you know, my life is devoted to making this place a better place. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing I don't like about reading fiction is that it's much too hard to remember all the characters without seeing them. I'm a very visual person. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're reading along, and then, you know, 90 pages later, this guy comes back, and you go, who the heck is that guy now again? I, I didn't see him. You know, I read his name, but I don't know. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? All right, good. Um, the third thing that I hate about f fiction, and I hate this is this is a real peeve of mine, is that the description of surrounding sceneries is just painfully long and laborious and stuff. You know, and when you're watching a movie, you just go, boom, there it is. The wind, the trees, the grass, everything is there. But these fiction authors just have to describe every blade of grass and every sound and smell. And it's like, I don't have time for that, right? If there's a movie I can see, I'll go see it. Great. But one of the things that I like the least about 
fiction books as so many of them that I've been assigned. <laughs> I think I'm done, and then there, everything comes to a peaceful, useful conclusion, and then there's this thing called the epilogue. And I go, what? I thought we were done. You know what I'm talking about? That last chapter. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's that last chapter that now they're going to, you know, and if you had just read the epilogue, you wouldn't have had to read the first part of the book, right? <laughs> so these are the things that I really don't like about epilogue because I want to be done with the book. I, I, I want to be done. And then there's another chapter to read. Well, I had intended to end this series, A Better Way to Pray, last Sunday to this morning, I'm going to bring you the epilogue. I'm going to bring you the epilogue. And so, uh, in so many ways, this is your last chance. If you're here for the first time, this is a great Sunday for you because you're going to get what these people have been listening to for the last six weeks all in one shot. And then you other people who have been here laboring through this with me go, why didn't you just give us that six weeks ago and move on to something else? But, you know, deal with it. I'm the pastor. So, um, <laughs> last chance. Here's your last chance. To get this, I think good things have been happening. I think good things have been happening in your prayer lives as we've worked through this material from the scriptures, a better way to pray. Again, I don't want to pretend that it's the best way to pray. I don't want to pretend that I'm saying it's the only way to pray. I'm saying that if you've been praying a long ways and you're looking for improvement, that I think some of the things that we've been able to bring and discover, not only from the teaching of the Word of God, but by revelation of the Holy Spirit among us, has produced some better, better ways to pray. Anybody testify to that? I mean, is anybody getting anything out of this? Eleven, okay, great, okay. First, you need to pray as a son or daughter who has been invited to the table of God. Uh, you, you can't say too much about this. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who received him. Have you received him? Have you received Christ? To all who believed on his name. Are you trusting, having faith, believing in the name of Christ for yourself? To all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The sons, the daughters of the living God. He gave the right. The right. You didn't have a right before because our rights were taken away from us by sin. Original sin came and took away our rights. And our, 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 our heritage was changed in original sin by Adam and Eve. And so all these times, all these people have been born ever since then, have been born under the heritage of Satan, of sin. But when Christ came, and Jesus Christ came, and did what he did, and died the way he did, and rose the way he did, and sits at the right hand interceding for us now, that as we have faith in his name, we now have a right this is the, these are the words of Scripture. The right to become the sons and daughters of the living God. This is not an arrogant right, is it? This is a humble right that we have. It's only by the merits of Christ that we have this right. But we have this right. So we are now sons and daughters of the living God. You might be listening to the enemy right now who's rehearsing your list of sins. Right? You know... <laughs> When a child messes up, it, they don't cease to be your child. Right? When a child messes up, they don't cease to be your child. In fact, when a child's in trouble, you love them all the more, right? You love them all the more, right? Are you in trouble? God loves you. You're still a son. You're still a daughter of the living God. That can't change. That can't change. So you begin praying that way. That affects the way you pray. Not shouting off to some far-off deity, but being in company and relationship with God, it changes the way you pray. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, as I've said so many times before, it says that we have been raised with Christ and seated with Him in the heavenly realms. Past tense. Read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It'll tell you in the first four verses what you were, and then it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And that we've been raised with Christ and seated with Him in the heavenly realms. So seated with Him in the heavenly realms. What a promotion. What a promotion to being born under the domination of Satan and through Christ, being a son and daughter of the living God, 
and elevated then so that you may now, by Christ, dominate Satan in your life. That's a different way to pray. I hope of all the things that you walk away from in this series that you get that. That you were born here, Satan here. And by Christ, you are now here, Satan here. Dominate him in the name of Jesus. Don't let him steal from you another minute. Okay. Second, pray as one whose heavenly Father has already prepaid your account. Just pray as one whose heavenly Father has already filled the cupboard for you. He's prepaid your account. It's a debit card, not a credit card. It's prepaid. Philippians 4, verse 19 says that my God shall supply all of your needs according to what? His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's already done. The stuff's already there. The answers are already there. It's there for you. It's there for you. Jesus said, if you ask, you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. For whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, whoever knocks, the door will be opened to them. It's done. It's a, it's a full account. It's a full account. How would you like it if on the way out we handed everybody a $500 prepaid visa card? Would you like that? Would you like that? We're not going to do that, but would you like that? We've got a parking lot to pay for. We're not going to do that. But would you like it? Would it change the way you spend your afternoon? Would it change your relationship with the church? Of course it would. You would go, look, what's already here? So would it change your relationship with God to know that you're not trying to wear him down, find a legal loophole by which he must answer your prayer because you said in Jesus' name enough times or whatever? But to know that by his heart he has already filled the storehouses of heaven and the matter of prayer is being in context with the word of God and the Holy Spirit so that you can find your way to the stuff, find your way to the answers. Also pray as one whose only job is to deliver your prayers to the foot of the cross. Praying is easy if you allow it to be easy. Praying will be laborious if you make it so. If you make it your job to intercede between the people and realities that you're praying for, if you make it your job, it'll wear you out. It'll wear you out. It's your responsibility. But what if Jesus, what if it's true that as John 14, 6 said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You can't get to him except through me. And so what, what, if, what if 1 Timothy 2, 5 is true? That there's only one mediator between man and God, and that's the man Jesus Christ. What if that's true? Then that's not only true for your salvation, the essence of your salvation, but it's true for your prayer life. And so that your job, if you will, as a prayer, is to bring the people and realities that you're praying for and just dump them at the foot of the cross. Dump them at the foot of the cross, leave them at the foot of the cross, and have enough faith in the cross of Jesus Christ that that's done now. That that's done. And you operate from an entirely different perspective. Instead of standing on some hilltop screaming to God in the name of Jesus and by the cross of Jesus and all, but somehow thinking that it's up to you to say it the right way, do it the right way, do it enough, so that somehow God is obligated to give an answer. He's already given the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. So why would we try to go around that? But we want to pray as one whose only job is to deliver your prayers to the foot of the cross. Also, we want to pray as one praying circles around the people and issues of greatest importance to you. In the first chapter of Joshua, God said to Joshua, I want you to make a circle. He said, wherever you walk, go for a walk, he said. Go for a long walk. And he said, wherever you put your foot, I will give to you. Whatever you define in faith, I will give to you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is circle prayers. I can't tell you how many hundreds, thousands, I suppose, times I've walked around this wall, and as I have done that, in the Spirit, I have sensed fire coming out of my heels. Never told you that. 
Just walking, I've sensed in the spirit fire coming out of my heels. So as I walk around this place, a wall of fire rises up. Not because of me, but because of Christ. And because by faith I'm just walking around and saying that the war will not rage in here. That this is a place of definition of the kingdom of God. This is a place where people of all sorts and types can come and can find God. And we can do that, and we can do that on much smaller scales. And I do that, as I told you, on, and you should, on much smaller scales. Just get up in the morning and get out on your living room carpet and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus right now, I define this place as kingdom, as kingdom reality. And I ask that the cross of Christ would just loom large over it. The dominion of the cross would be over everything that I put into this circle today. That the blessing of God would come down under the spout where the glory comes out. Just let it pour. And just by faith envision that spot. And then selectively and carefully, but intentionally, intensely, and by faith, put the people and the realities into that, into that circle. Right. I'm going to pray that way. And pray also as one who is willing to fiercely defend and serve whomever and whatever you put in that circle. That's your space. That's your space by faith. That's your space. You can walk around that, populate it carefully. Because whoever, whatever you put in that circle, you're saying, I will defend them. I will take a bullet for them. I will stay up all night and pray. Whatever, whatever it is that has to happen here. And I will also serve them. I will wash their feet. I will go to their place. I will go to their side. I will serve them. That's the way it's got to be. Right? In Joshua 54, Isaiah 54, sorry, it says that there's no weapon formed against us that will prosper. And you need to, by faith, just lay claim to that. And just stand at the gate of your circle, if that's how I like to envision it, and say, you're not coming in here. In the name of Jesus, you're not coming in here. Okay? And then pray also as one who is actively clearing the way for the flow of God's blessing to come to those you are praying for. Just pray as one who's actively clearing the way. If everything I've said so far is at all true, and that there's a, a lack of flow of the blessing of God in our lives, something must be plugged, right? And I was able to touch briefly on it in this service, never even got to it in the second service, but the three major elements of blocking the way are simply this. They are unconfessed sin. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You want to, would you like to plug the blessing of God in your life? Then just keep not dealing with your sin. Just keep making excuses for your sin and wonder why it's not coming. Just keep rationalizing your sin. Yes, but. Just keep, go ahead, just keep. If you like the way you're not living under the blessing of God, just keep not dealing with your sin. Because it plugs it up. And in the same way, your sin, toward, your sin or your brokenness toward others. Jesus said when you're praying and you realize you have something against your brother, stop praying. Stop. Go be reconciled to your brother. When you do that, you'll see a flow of God's blessing in your life. You say, but it's their fault. I know, but it's your move. Did you hear that? But it's their fault. Yeah, but it's your move. It's their fault. Okay, so because their fault, you want to stand in that place of self-righteousness and continue to block the flow of God? You don't, do you? You want the flow of God in your life. Unbelief. Jesus said, why? You know, they said, why couldn't we drive this out? And they said, Jesus said, well, it's because of your lack of faith, your unbelief. If you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Your unbelief. Unbelief is simply, is simply the commitment to believe something that isn't true. Or to believe something that is true, but to believe it at a, at a level higher than the Word of God. Whether that's a medical diagnosis... Or just an internal voice? The belief that you're no good, that you're a lousy failure? And you believe that. And you say, oh, but I've got evidence. Look at, look at the trail of mess I've made in my life. Yeah, it's true. 
But you're also a son and daughter of the living God and able to rise above that. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can rise above that. And it's a choice to believe that. Unbelief says, no, I'd rather stay here. It'll block the flow of God's blessing. And then finally, the works of the enemy. John 10.10, Jesus said, you know, the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. That sounds like a block, doesn't it? But you continue to read that verse. and says, but the Son has come to give, it, give life and give it abundantly. So the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says that the Son came to destroy the works of the enemy. Jesus Christ, what did he come to do? To save you? Yes. How? By destroying the works of the enemy. Destroy. You have access to one who can destroy the works of the enemy in your life. You have access. You have full access. You're seated with him in the heavenly realms, remember? You're sitting next to Jesus at the table. You're sitting next to the one who came to destroy the works of the enemy. Destroy the works of the enemy. However they may be manifesting in your life. You've got access to that one. And the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is the story. This is the story. This is what I sense to be the better way to pray. But it struck me, and the reason I'm really extending this one this last week is because, you know, there's been a lot of theory talked here. There's been a lot of theory presented. Like, philosophically, here's how you do it. Essentially, here's how you do it. But how do you do it? How do you do it? So I I think that question's probably on your mind. It's apparently not on the minds of the slides for some reason, but send me one up, Jay. How do you do it? There we go. Didn't I tell you that's what was going to be next? I mean, how do you pray for stuff? Having said this, you know, and having spent your life just intuitively believing that we're here on this thing called earth and somewhere there's a God in heaven and that, boy, isn't it great that we every once in a while get to land one out there somewhere. (laughs) How do you change to this place? I mean, how do you... How do you pray for provision if all this stuff is true? How do you, if the storehouse is full, if the cupboards are full, how, how does this change the way we pray? How do you pray for protection if you're not so much asking God to protect, but you're going to get what you need? How do you pray for healing? How do you pray for the lost? I mean, a great concern of yours is the people in your life who don't know Christ. How do you pray for anything? Okay, four things ready? So, yeah. First. Next, Jay. First, draw your circle. Draw your circle. Draw your circle. By faith, say, this is my space. This is my circle. This is my place in the kingdom. By faith, I believe that everything that I put inside of that circle is going to come under the dominion of the cross, is going to be under the blessing of God. That's why you've got to start with a real small circle so you, don't, so you don't dilute it too much. But you draw that circle in faith, in prayer. I strongly encourage you to draw it with your feet as you pray. Just, I don't know how, mine's about eight feet across, I guess. I never measured it, but it's, it's about like this. And just step it out. If you're a visual person like me, what do you see? I, I see a circle. I see a space in all of the universe now that's mine by faith. As a son of the living God, I believe that's what, what I'm standing in front of right now is my assignment. You can't touch it. The devil can't. I know you wouldn't want to hurt it, but I'm just saying no one can. The devil can't touch it. And so you draw your circle. And in drawing your circle, just envision the cross of Christ looming, looming over it. The blood-stained cross of Jesus Christ just looming over it. 
And that up, if you look beyond the cross, you can just see the light of God and the blessing of God just pouring down over this circle. And then you carefully populate that circle. Very selectively populate that circle. The people who are closest to you, dearest to you, the situations that are most critical to you. Unfortunately, you can't put everybody in the circle, but here's the good news. If everybody starts making circles, everybody gets covered, right? And so you, you draw your circle. Second thing, Jay, is you believe the, thank you, you believe the word. <laughs> oh, it's not Jay, it's Susan. Hi, Susan. I don't know why I thought it was Jay. You believe the word. Okay, so you've got this circle. Do you believe this stuff? Do you believe if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move? Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that whatsoever you ask in my name, I will give to you so that some may bring glory to the Father? Do you believe these scriptures? Let me ask you this. Do you want to believe it? It starts by wanting to believe it. It starts just by wanting to believe that the Bible is true. And though your experience may not consistently reflect answered prayer in the ways that you would like, it's a new way. It's a new day, and it's a better way to pray. And standing at the gate of this thing and believing the Word of God. That's a choice. That's a choice, correct? How many of you believe your car is going to start when you leave today? It's a choice, isn't it? You have evidence. Is it, is it 100%? Has, has anybody ever had a car that didn't start? What if that happens today? You don't let that get to you, right? You don't, you don't let that get to you. Your understanding is the car is going to start. You're going to drive home with air conditioning, listening to your tunes, right? You're gonna, you believe this. And, but it's still a choice. What you don't know is that I have people out in the parking lot sabotaging all your cars right now. You don't know that that's not true, do you? But you're making a choice to believe that I'm not that organized, right? You're making a choice to believe that that is absolutely not true. But it's still a choice. It could be true, couldn't it? For all you know, every one of those cars has been stolen while you're here. It's possible, isn't it? Ever so remote, but it's possible. Why do we continue to believe the remote truths of the devil instead of the huge truth of God? Why do we choose that? The prayer will change when we say, I believe that. I believe that because God said it. I believe it. So you believe the word. Third thing, Susan, is that you uh, announce the truth. You announce the truth. I'm not saying we never ask for things in prayer. Of course we do. The real benefit of prayer, your personal prayer before the circle stuff, your own communion time with God, is to get to the place of understanding how true his word is and that he has given you authority. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, I give you power and authority to go out. I give you power, I give you, I give you power and authority to go out and heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he said it? All right. Then if it's a truth, then he has given it to you. He has, you don't have to ask him for power and authority. He said, I already gave that to you. It's in your hands. Your pockets are full of it because you don't use it. You have power and authority. And so prayer then becomes announcing the truth over these elements in your circle. And as I place somebody in my circle, sometimes when it's really intense, I pin them right to the cross. I mean, not like nail them. I mean, I just put them to the cross. in, In my faith eye, I just put them in the cross. And I actually make circles around them and I announce the truth of God over them. I announce the truth of God. 
Now, it helps to know the truth of God, which is why we need to be people of the Bible, people of the Word, people who are ingesting, internalizing, memorizing the Word of God so that we can speak it over. But we're announcing healing, we're announcing deliverance, we're announcing release, we're announcing protection, we're announcing provision, we're announcing salvation. We're announcing whatever it is that is on your heart by faith to announce over that person. (laughs) Jesus Christ has already answered it. The cross, the blessing, it's already there. What I want to do is I want to clear the way for them now. I want to announce a blessing over that person in the name of Jesus. You know, I I think of it this way. When a soldier is out in battle, and I'm a big fan of war movies for Lord knows whatever reason, but I love it when they're out there and, you know, the infantry's out there and they're getting pinned down and they get on the radio, and they call in artillery, right? What do they do? Hey, if anybody's out there, and and if you would happen to have anything to shoot this way, could you please, 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 could you please, I know it's probably not going to happen, but could you please fire something over there? That's not how it happens, is it? They call in artillery, coordinates, bomb, 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 right? Why? Because they know it's there. They know it's there. They know there's somebody waiting to cover them. And so they call in the coordinates and... Hello? Right? If we know it's there, why aren't we announcing the coordinates? If we know the blessing of God is there, why aren't we announcing, you will be healed in the name of Jesus. You will be saved in the name of Jesus. And calling it out. Announcing it. I don't think I can say too many times, this isn't a proud, arrogant position, like look at me at all. It is so humble to stand there and know that the God of the universe cares about the people I put in that circle and cares about me enough and that the provision is there in the name of Jesus. And then fourth, just give thanks for what you see. Give thanks to God for what you see. Jesus said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And I think giving thanks is a way of believing. Thank you, God. Sometimes you just see little wiggles. Just little, little, tiny little wiggles, right? Thank Him for that. Thank Him. That's the way in. When you're praying for a stubborn person, a stubborn case who refuses to be saved, give thanks for the wee little crack. Give thanks for the one thing that they said. Give thanks for that. Because God will expand that as you give thanks. A couple of examples of this are, I mean, how do we pray for healing? So somebody comes and I said, I'm sick. I think we learned so much from Robbie Dawkins when he was here a couple of years ago. And he's the perfect example of all four of those things. The way he taught us to pray. So somebody comes and they say, I want you to pray. Okay, I'll pray for you. In effect, you're drawing a circle around them. You're drawing a circle around them, aren't you? Yes, I will pray for you. This is our circle. This is our space. I think we can adapt everything that he said for this teaching. Okay, you're in my circle now. You are in my circle. The devil has no place in this circle. He can't get in. And then how did he teach us to pray? He said, Father, I thank you for your healing power. He didn't ask for anything, did he? He already thanked him for what was already there. He said, I thank you for your healing power. And I thank you for Jerry here. And that relates to that person, right? It relates already, believing. Thank you for your healing power. They're believing. He's believing the word. And then he says, he taught us to say, And now in the name of Jesus, I speak to that pain in your side, and I say, be gone. I take authority over that pain in your side, and I say, be gone. Don't even need to know what the source. Don't know if it's your pancreas or your appendicitis. In the name of Jesus, I command you to be gone. 
And he announces it, right? Was he arrogant? He's a very humble guy. He knows that everything that comes next is from God. And I announce it in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, pain. I take authority over you in the name of... Why? Because God has given us all power and authority to go heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. I, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And then what did he do next? So, if it was a 10 when we started, that's the threshold. What is it now? What's he doing? He wants to give thanks for what he sees, right? And they go, oh my gosh, it's a 6. It's less. And he said, thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your healing power. And again we go. Until that just keeps coming down and down. Now, if it was a six last time, what is it now? Oh my gosh, it's a four. Well, all right. Father, I thank you for your healing power. Right? Were any of you here? How many of you had your shoulders touched in that one service? I know you did, Janet, I remember. And so he stood up here and he said, there's people in the room who have shoulder pain. Well, that's an easy shot. Hello. You got hundreds of people. There's going to be somebody with shoulder pain. Dozens of people stood up all over the place. You went exactly through that. And what did we see? We saw remarkable power and healing. I myself wasn't, didn't used to be able to do that. I wasn't even participating. I was just watching the whole thing. And I didn't realize that my shoulder was healed that day. My, I, I can't do this. And I didn't even realize it until I was getting ready for Easter, which was a couple months ago, which is two times a year I put on a tie. And I was putting on my tie, and I used to have to have Karen help me, and I was putting on my tie. Wait, I can do that now. Glory to God. That's an obvious example. What about praying for the lost? Understandably, you have enormous concern for the people you love who are giving no, no attention to their salvation. You're concerned about them, aren't you? Because you believe that there's a heaven and there's a hell and that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the only thing that makes a difference between the two. And so if you have people in your circle who don't know Christ, don't want to know Christ, that is obviously of enormous concern. And so you pray for them, right? And customarily, our instinctive way to pray is, you know, Lord, would you please save them, right? Would you please save them? Isn't that the way you pray? Of course. Would you just please save them? But I want you to think about how fraught with error that approach is. And you know it instinctively, don't you? Because you know that it says, in, in Second Peter, it says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so you know it's not about persuading God to save them, right? Somehow don't you know that? And it's like, God, please save them. And he goes, oh, okay, well, I wasn't going to save them, but I really wasn't that interested in them, but I could probably work with them. I mean, you know instinctively that's wrong. So what do you do? You draw your circle. You just see the cross looming large, the blessing of God coming up. Just push them up against the cross. Just push them right up against the cross. And then start announcing. Start announcing. Start announcing what you know from Scripture to be true. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I speak repentance over you in the name of Jesus. Start announcing. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Speak that over them. So that they might become the righteousness of God. Release the power by announcing the truth. How about that passage in John chapter 14 where Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. And how about as you think about that person and how they know, they know the message, they know the facts, 
And you just announce, today in the name of Jesus, while they're driving their car, you're going to bring your love and the message of salvation to their remembrance. I speak that in the name of Jesus. Why aren't they remembering and why aren't they believing? Because they've been infected with the lie of Satan, and your job is to peel him off of them and announce the truth into their lives. And Karen and I have learned that sometimes it takes 15 years. But ask me if it's worth it. Ask me if it's worth it. When one you've been praying for for 15 years sends you a text and says, I don't know how I'm going to go to work today on 90 minutes of sleep because I was up all night with my guitar worshiping God. Just, is that worth it? That's how you pray. And you can provide, you know, you can adapt that for provision. You can adapt that for protection. You can adapt that for direction. Somebody needs direction, you need direction. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Ask of me, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Announce that over yourself. Announce this over yourself. No eye has seen, no mind has conceived, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. Announce that over yourself. Announce it. And push the lie of the enemy back and watch the flow of God's wisdom come. And how I really just want to conclude this morning is simply this. While you're drawn that circle, and while the cross is looming and the blessing is coming down, Be sure to stand in there yourself. Don't forget to stand in there yourself. Don't forget. You can come in the circle. And you can stand under the dominion of the cross of Jesus Christ in your elevated place. Dominate over Satan. And you can receive the flow of God. I'd like to ask anybody who'd just like to spend a minute renewing standing under the cross of Jesus Christ just to come on up here right now. You're at a place, I'd like to stand under that cross. Just come right up here and just stand up here. Just come. I'd like to renew my time under the cross. Maybe you realize that you've been spending all kinds of time circling for others. Maybe not, whatever, but you're just moved by this and say, I would like to stand under the dominion of the cross. I would like to get in the circle. That's where the power is. And I would just like for then you to envision by faith that very reality that you're standing in the circle. Your circle, not my circle. Your circle. That the cross is looming large, Over the top, tall cross. That up at the top of this cross, the heavens are parted. The glory of God, the power of God, the forgiveness of God, the blessing of God, the healing of God, the provision of God, the protection of God, the direction of God, the purpose of God, the love of God is pouring out over you. Just receive that now. Just stand under the cross for a minute. Blessing of God fall down on you. Cross of Jesus Christ, forgive you of every sin. Wash away every offense. 
record is expunged by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. As you stand under the cross, you are being presented to the Father, Ephesians says, spotless and without blemish. In doing this, you're a, you're a thread in the fabric of the church. It isn't all about you. So resist that sense of I'm being selfish. It isn't all about you. You're a thread in the fabric of the body of Christ in the church, the universal church made from the beginning of the cross. You're a part of the robe of righteousness over the bride. He's cleansing you, washing you. God just pours out his blessing on you. The healing of God is coming for your bodies. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing on your bodies. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing on your hearts for those damaged and bruised areas. Those things known only to you and maybe not even by you that cause you to be so hurt. Just let the blessing of God now just come and release you from it, release you from the damage of it. Power of God come now. I speak healing over every part of you now as the cross looms large over you as you stand in your circle as the blessing of God pours down on you. Let every provision come for you. You have no lack in the circle. You are not hungry. You are not thirsty. You are not cold. You are not unsheltered. Your future is irrelevant. Your future is irrelevant. You're standing in the circle. The only thing that's relevant is this present moment as you stand in the circle under the Lord. You deliver the future and your cares for it into the hands of the Lord. Because you know that in any case, anywhere, you can always make a circle. You can always make a circle. The people who are so heavy on your hearts right now the, the things they're doing or the things they're going through and you feel so powerless to help them now may the spirit of the Lord come on you now and give you every capacity to trust him for their lives release you from from thinking it's up to you you'll, you'll love them you'll defend them you'll serve them but with joy you'll wash their feet with patience and joy blessing of God shower down on you. Now in the spirit I just see around each one of you a circle of strong defense, a circle of powerful protection. The very angels of God are surrounding you in your circle. They're faced away from you. Their backs are toward you because they're scanning. They're scanning out on the horizon for any plan of the enemy and they will come and they will stand for you they will stand for you you don't have authority over those angels only God has authority over those you cannot command the angels the Bible says that the Lord commands the angels but he says are they not ministering servants sent to, to minister to the servants of God and so they're there for you and God will command them for you Spirit of the Lord, come now and bless you, touch you, fall out on you, fill you, revive you, encourage you, restore your joy, change your anxiety into peace, your worry into confidence. Change your past into this present moment of full forgiveness and righteousness as you stand in the circle of God under the cross of Christ.
see written over the cross member of the cross, a horizontal beam, and it's, it's sort of smudging and dripping down on you, not his blood, but I see this, this written, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. not over, it's not too late, you haven't ruined that stand in the cross, stand in the circle Father, as we prepare to move on from this series, we pray that we'll never stray from the truth that you have tattooed on our hearts. Thank you for delivering us from this underdeveloped sense of prayer that we're screaming to a far-off God, that we're hoping that out of the ten prayers we ask, maybe one will be heard. Thank you for this revelation of knowledge that we are seated with you by your work. I just pray all blessing, all strength, all confidence, all protection, all power, all authority, all the weaponry of war on every person in the sound of my voice now. May the Spirit of God come and fall on you now and show you the circles, show you where to stand, show you the power and the authority that has already been invested in your life by the work of Jesus Christ and the return of the Holy Spirit. May this church always be a place that is well defined by this circle. May this church be a place where the war does not rage. It is a place of peace. It is a place of blessing. It is a place of victory. It is a place of healing. It is a place of salvation. It is a place of provision. It is a place where the glory of God falls down on us. And Lord, we will always, with all blessing and honor, humbly return to you all the praise glory and honor and blessing because you are the king of kings and lord of lords and there is no one beside you and we pray this in the name of jesus amen 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 god bless you guys